Well, a good morning and greetings in Jesus' name to everyone that's gathered here this morning. It is good to be in the house of God here again, to hear God's word. and We had some good admonition thus far already. The title for my message this morning is Hearing God's Voice. It does have some interesting parallels with the opening message. And even the last song we sang there, um, I think the last line, Speak Through the Earthquake, Wind and Fire, how does it finish there? Uh, the still small voice. And of course that brings back the account of Elijah there on the mountain when God spoke to him. And God was not in the earthquake, nor in the wind, nor in the fire, but in the still small voice. So that is my title this morning, Hearing God's Voice. And I'm sure you have often heard us preach about the importance of hearing from God and of um, knowing what God's voice is, walking with God, and the importance of having a relationship with God. So this morning my, uh, my message has to do with uh, giving a bit of definition to what it means to hear God's voice. It is not so much an appeal to uh, be attentive to what God says, although that will be part of it, but I think we have spoken frequently on that aspect of it, being attentive to what God says. And we would probably, I, I trust, we would all uh, be desirous and, and would assure ourselves that we do want to hear what God says and we want to, of course, be obedient to it. But what does it mean, or um, maybe more specifically in a practical way, what does it mean to hear God's voice? Maybe a follow-up question or subtitle would be, Does God speak to us today? Did God speak to you this past week? Now, I could answer that very quickly. Does God speak to us today? The answer is yes. God does speak to us today. But more specifically we should answer the question, how does God speak to us today? Because there are voices out there that I think have a bit of a misdirection in what it means for God to speak to us. Um, and my concern would be that we are not turned aside or, or even discouraged by claims that others might make about God speaking to them. Now, it's not, again, not really a question that God, whether God speaks to us, but we should be very careful about how 
we understand that God speaks to us. Um, there are some who would say that um, that God would speak on a perhaps maybe a daily basis or in just the common ordinary things of life that you uh, you have a question about what you ought to do and and then uh, so you pray and ask for some direction and then God speaks to you and tells you yes do this or do that or say this or say that. And so the question would come, is that the way that God speaks to us today? And when it comes down to actually defining how that works, it basically comes down to, so you pray, ask God a question, and the next thought that comes to your mind must be what God said. And that's your direction. Well, is that really how God intended for us to walk in this life? That is part of what we want to explore this morning. Maybe also another illustration that came to my mind, uh, one that in our house we have heard numerous times, listening to Otto Koenig's um, teachings and, and lessons, and I don't know if any... Perhaps some of you are familiar with that, the pineapple story and so on, and there's a whole set of tapes. Well, there are many good things that he says, but there are a few things that are not quite according to sound doctrine. And here's one of them. He gives the example of after returning from the mission field and living here in the States and having financial difficulties and he talks about having everything surrendered to God, and that, that's all good and fine, but he gives the illustration of how um, when his 16-year-old son started driving a car, and he would come and, and say, Dad, is it, uh, can I have the car tonight? Well, so Dad, you know, wants everything surrendered to God, so he has committed this car to God. So he tells his son, he says, well, son, this car belongs to God. So if you want to use the car tonight, you're going to have to ask God. And so, okay, so the son goes upstairs and he prays and he comes back down and says, well, God said yes. And uh, so, okay, well, you can go with the car. And so then dad finally says, God always says yes. When he goes, when son goes to ask, can I use the car? Well, then God always says yes. Well, there is a little bit of a problem there. And I think you can see very quickly that somehow if God always says yes, when the 16-year-old son wants to use the car, that would suggest that perhaps his desires and feelings have a very direct influence on how he perceives what God is saying. And so the question we need to ask ourselves, how, how much do we depend directly on those impressions that come to us? Let's say we have a prayer and we pray, you know, God, show us what should we do. 
next thought that comes to mind, is that really what God is telling you? Or has it been influenced by our subjective desires and feelings? Well, there are clearly ways that God speaks to us today, and I think we need to have them clearly in our mind. I believe we have taught that much. Probably this is not new. First of all, God speaks through His Word. And we could also say through Christ, because in Hebrews chapter 1 it says that while God in sundry times and diverse manners spake, In time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. And we know that every word of God and every word that Jesus spoke, he said that they would judge us at the last day. So Christ's words, but beyond just the specific words that our Bible has put in red, We know that the rest of the scripture is also inspired of God, and that is God's word to us, and should be that foremost uh, standard by which we determine what God is saying. That is very important because Peter, in his second epistle, specifically reference the occasion when they were on the mount and heard God's voice audibly from heaven. That voice which they heard in the mount, it affirmed to them that this is my beloved son, hear ye him. And then Peter goes on to say that we have also a more sure word of prophecy. And that, I believe, is referencing all of the commandments and instructions of the Word of God. That is, that that Peter calls a more sure word than even the audible voice from heaven. And we could um, ask, so how is it more sure? Well, there is the possibility of being misled. And that is the warning from Scripture that if though we or an angel from heaven speak any other word. So even that which may appear to be an angel, if it were to say something contrary to the word of God, we have the more sure word. So God speaks to us through his word. Secondly, God speaks in accord with his word. And by that... I mean, there are some things that we have as impressions from God, perhaps, maybe wisdom or direction from God in answer to prayer, but it needs to be checked or compared to the Word of God. In other words, the subjective thoughts and impressions that come to our mind need to be checked, compared with God's word to make sure that it aligns with that. And then thirdly, God speaks to us through other people. And particularly those who are responsible for the care of our souls. Now that could be various aspects. It could be particularly 
uh, children hearing through their parents, giving direction. It could be through the leaders of the church. And it could also even be through our brethren who are also uh, have some responsibility in the care of our souls. So those are the ways that God speaks to us. And, but coming back to this question of how the impressions of our mind are those, are, is that how God speaks to us? And should that be lifted up as a, an accurate guide? Well, let's consider several issues that arise when we use the term or the expression or even persuade ourselves that God told me this or that. Let's suppose here for just for discussion that it's, uh, it's something that we were thinking to purchase and we're at the store and God... Um, you know, does God tell us, okay, yes, you, this is what you should buy? So is that God speaking to us or not? Well, if we conclude that God told me and then do it, well, then we've kind of placed this whole issue, the decision we made, has been placed into a realm that's not subject to discernment or even correction. Because if God said to do it, well then, of course, we we're obligated to, aren't we? And there's no further discussion. There's, there's no... Um, what could be said against it? If God told me, then, well, then we just, we just do But is that really how the majority of our actions and activities should be? Uh, should we place it in that realm? And the answer, I believe, is no. God is going to judge us for everything we've done in this body, whether it be right or whether it be wrong. And God has placed within us a mind to think and discern and judge. We don't take the majority of what we do and the choices we make and place them in a, in a position where it's not subject to any discernment or discussion or, or anything like that. We just say, well, God told me. Well, if God told you, then, well, yeah, what, what can anybody say? No matter how it turns out, you just say, well, God told me to do this. So it's, it's not up to me how it turns out. Well, that isn't really how God wants us to live. There can be in this concept that we hear in a very direct way in our everyday life that we hear God speaking to us and we do this or don't do this or whatever. Um, 
there can be a sense in which that would seem like a more spiritual way to walk and live. And while it is true that we do want to have a close and intimate relationship with God, and we do want to have God's leading and guiding in our life, that is our earnest desire, and we often preach that. But we also need to make sure that we are doing it in accordance with God's Word and not in some manner that is outside of His Word and will. So, along with this concept, maybe that it's more spiritual to walk that way, there is also, at times, the impression that when God speaks to us in that way, we have opened ourselves to the spirit world and we are therefore more capable or more understanding of what the spirit would say to us, but then along with that, we might also be opening ourselves more to what the devil would have to say to us. Well, that is a false concept because there is no indication in Scripture that when we draw nigh to God and are carefully attuned to hear His voice and to do what He says, that we are somehow more subject to the voice of the devil. That is not supported by Scripture. I think rather that comes from the worldly concept that to be spiritual means to open oneself up to the spirit world in a very broad sense. And many do that even opening themselves up to evil spirits. That is not what it means to walk with God or to hear God's voice. We are not just opening our spirit and our senses to the spirit world. We are rather focusing on what is pleasing to the Lord. It should also follow that if we have an earnest and intense desire to hear from God, with the assumption being that we are going to do what God says and to hear His voice, then it should also follow that we are very earnest and attentive to obey what God has already said in His Word. So those who truly hear God's voice are those who are the most earnest to clearly and carefully obey what has already been said. And that brings us back to my first point there, is that God speaks to us through His Word. Uh, let's not make any claim to spiritual growth that is uh, not very careful and attentive to be obedient to His plain Word. Now let's just back up and consider how it is that God leads and guides his people. I looked at a number of scriptures, and I'm going to read a handful of them here. 
that use the term walk. Walking in the light, for example, or instructions on how we should walk, and that term walk there has the idea of the manner in which we conduct our life, the things we do, uh, just our, our way of life. And the first one I have here on my list, Romans 8, chapter, I'm sorry, chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So there, very clearly, there is a way of walking that we do not follow, and there is a way of walking that we do follow. Not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Romans uh, 13, 13. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. Again, very clearly a way that we should walk and a way that we should not walk. 1 Corinthians 3, 3. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? So there is a way of walking that is after the manner of men, not after the manner which God would have us to walk. Galatians 5.25, If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And this is, immediately after he listed the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and so on. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 2.10, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And... uh, Ephesians 5.8, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And again in verse 15, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Philippians 3.16 and 17, Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule. Let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as ye have us for an ensample. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk, and to please God, so ye would abound more and more. In 1 John 2.6, He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And in 2 John verse 6, And this is love, that we walk in his commandments. This is the commandment that, as ye have heard from the beginning, ye should walk in it. Now, these are only a handful of verses that use the term walk and It has to do with how we conduct our life, the the ordinary uh, way that we we live. And in all of these, there is a thought 
that flows with it. And that thought is that walking is something that follows instruction. There is a way in which it ought to be done, and there is a way that should be avoided. Which means that there is teaching that goes beforehand, there is teaching that is followed, there are things that are learned. If we are to walk in these ways, we learn how to do it. It's not just an instantaneous impression that comes to our mind, but rather something that we follow after. We lay a hold of it. We take in teaching. We learn how to do it. And then we are guided and instructed by these things. Now let me just list... Out of these verses, some of the specific things it mentions. We should walk by Christ's example. Okay? Two, by example of godly people, being followers of them. He even uses that term, being followers of, he says that, uh, how does it say, Mark them which walk so as ye have us for an ensample. Uh, talks about walking by the same rule and walking by the commandments. Talks about walking circumspectly as wise and walking as children of light. And what I'm laying out here is this picture that as we go through life, the, um, the choices we make should be guided by commandments, by rules, by Christ's example, by other godly people. It should be done circumspectly, meaning that we pay attention to what we're doing and we use some discernment and judgment. We should uh, do it as wise, and that comes by taking knowledge and understanding and applying it to our walk, and then walk as children of light comparing the darkness which we should not walk in with the light in which we should walk. All of that uh, is a picture of how we walk through life. A child, when they are very young and just learning, are given very specific instructions and examples. We tell them exactly what to do. And I think of that perhaps in that if we ask God for direction and then go with the first impression that comes to our mind, it might be a bit like a child walking. Because God expects us to grow in maturity. He expects us to follow the commandments. He expects us to walk in wisdom, which means that we take what we have been taught, we look at the example of others, we learn what works 
and what comes to a good end, what bears good fruit, and then we follow after those things. All of those build upon what has come before. So walking is something we learn how to do. It's not just a moment-by-moment impression that might change from one day to the next. We walk as children of light. In the uh, many scriptures that talk about this growing in grace, growing in the Lord, it's the whole concept of growing means that we take what we have learned, we build upon that, and we gain understanding, we gain direction, and we are obedient to those things that we have heard and learned and seen in others that are a godly example, and we follow after those things. While there are scriptures that talk about being children, children of God and so on, it also says that we are to be growing. It says, in malice be children, but in understanding be men. There is a time when we pass from being taught to being able to teach others. And if we're not transitioning to that being able to teach others, we are yet immature. And have things to learn. And I believe that is very true in hearing God's voice. Now, having placed the emphasis, as I have, on the uh, importance of following the commandments and examples and building upon that, Does that mean then that in our everyday life we're just sort of on our own? And, uh, you know, God just is too distant to really give us clear direction. And no, that is not what I am trying to teach. Uh, But I am pointing out to what is important in how we follow God. And let me just speak now a bit about this side of what it means to really fellowship with God. There is, um, well, I could mention here this whole thing about having peace with God and walking in the peace of God. And as a brother was speaking about that, talked about waiting on God It has to do with walking in faith and having God's peace shed abroad in our hearts when we are doing the will of God. Uh, It is one of the confirmations that we are walking with God if we have aligned ourselves with God. But here's this verse in Psalm 32, verses 8 and 9. It says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way which thou shalt go, I will guide thee with mine eye. Be ye not as the horse or as the mule which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held in with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. Now, 
he is contrasting here a spirit, uh, speaking of our spirit. Now, we are going to be led and guided by God. I will instruct thee and teach thee, this is God, in the way which thou shalt go, I, God, will guide thee with mine eye. Now, what does that mean? We obviously don't expect to actually visually see God in our everyday life. He is, he is in heaven. Uh, no man can look upon him. But yet God guides us with his eye. And then in contrast to that, don't be like the horse that has to be kept in check and restrained here and restrained there because he wants to do this or that or go his own way. Um, and in fact, we shouldn't have to receive direction and guidance like a horse with a, with a, with the bit and bridle and maybe even a whip, but rather we should be guided by God's eye. Well, that speaks to me of having a relationship with God that he can instruct us and we hear like that still small voice we uh, talked about, we have a sense of what is pleasing unto the Lord so that we quickly are able to discern what God wants us to do. Now, those of you who are married and uh, know what I'm speaking of here, when I uh, speak about learning to know your spouse to a level that you can very quickly discern by uh, a facial expression or some other uh, little communication you can sense because you have learned to walk with your spouse. You can sense what they are thinking in a given situation or circumstance. It might be a, a smile. It might be a wink, it might be a slight frown. All these things speak very specifically to whatever it was that is, uh, you know, at hand. You face with a situation and you look at each other and it's just that, uh, you know, that light in the eye that you know exactly what they're thinking because of prior experience, we know how they think, we know what they're uh, you know, how they've handled things in the past, and, and you know what to expect. That is the kind of relationship God wants to have with us. And it comes by studying who God is and, and what his word is. We learn to know God by what he has revealed to us. And when we come to circumstances and choices in life, it's not like we're just all on our own, have no guidance, and just left to do the best we can, but it's rather having developed a relationship with God that we can apply our wisdom that God gives us, we can apply our understanding, and we make choices. Walking by faith, not depending necessarily on just hearing directly from God, yes, no, but rather being guided by his spirit, 
and knowing him. That is what it means to walk with God. So again, don't be intimidated um, by thinking that having a close relationship with God means that in your everyday experience, in every decision you make, you're going to hear or feel some impression from God. And, and this is how, it, you know, and then the first thought that comes to your mind, that's, that's what you go with. But rather, uh, let me just explain how I understand it and how I practice it. If I'm in a circumstance and a, uh, a situation that I don't really know what I should do, this way or that, I will frequently pray. And if I'm by myself, I sometimes pray out loud, just like I talk to myself sometimes. When I'm around others, I usually don't. Uh, but I will ask God, Lord, what shall I do in this, this circumstance? What would you want me to do? And I earnestly want to know what God would want me to do. And then I expect in my spirit and in my heart that when it comes to actually doing this, God will have given me some direction on how or what I should do, whether it be what I should say, what decision I should make. But I don't necessarily accept the first impression that comes to my mind and just automatically think, okay, so that's what God told me. But rather, the impression that comes to my mind, maybe it's the first one, maybe it's the second one, or I've thought of several possibilities and I think, uh, no, this doesn't seem like the right thing here uh, because, and it may be because of some scripture, a principle of, um, it might not quite fit, and I'll, so I'll weigh the options. I am not disengaging my mind nor my wisdom or my own thinking. I am rather sorting through the options, believing that God will, through this process, help me to come to a place that is good and wise. When I am doing that, I am allowing all the issues of discernment and wisdom to be applied to this situation. I'm not just taking the first subjective thought that comes to my mind and say, okay, well, that's God then, and so God told me, yep, this is what I should do. Uh, but rather, I weigh the options. And I'm trusting that as God is guiding me in my mind, I will come to a place that is, is good and right. And so, in a good day, when I am confident that this is what God wants me to do, 
uh, I will proceed. Now I said there in a good day, because there are times when I am not just 100% sure yet whether this was, you know, just that perfect choice. But I go ahead trusting that God has been guiding and trusting that uh, by His Spirit he will, he will open the way. And then I allow, as this situation unfolds or as it begins to bear fruit, to give testimony to whether this was right and good. And there are times when I come away from that saying, yes, that was clearly God. This was not quite how I would have thought it through before without God's direction and wisdom. He gave me an answer. He showed me a way, and this is born good fruit. There are other times when I don't know, so I mean, don't immediately know, is this really what would have been the best or ideal because maybe it'll be some time before it bears fruit. But there are times when I may have to say, well, maybe I didn't um, either take enough time to consider this or I didn't take enough time and and a little correction needs to come in. And I learned from this experience that maybe next time it would be wiser to do thus or so. And perhaps in conversation I ask someone else, well, what would you have done in this circumstance? And they can give some counsel. And I can put that away and think, well, is this biblical? Is it right? Is it good? And that's how I walk through life. It's not that I think we are just on our own and don't hear from God. But I am concerned that we know what it means to actually walk with God and to hear from God and not to be just dependent on our own subjective thoughts and feelings and take the first one that comes to mind as hearing from God without it being checked by Christ's example, the Word of God, other godly people's example, the wisdom that God has given me. You know, many of those things play in very quickly when we ask God about a certain situation. And it has to do with knowing God and knowing his word and his will uh, to the point where those things come to us very quickly. It's not that way in every circumstance, but that principle applies that God wants to guide us with his eye. He doesn't want to have to use that bit and bridle, that, you know, and, and that you know, that were difficult to be persuaded, difficult to turn, difficult or even dull of hearing. Scripture talks about that, those who are dull of hearing and those who are um, 
Jesus used the words, uh, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. It speaks to that being sensitive to what God has to say. So in summary, let us be swift to hear. Let us be swift to hear God's voice. Let us be, like the psalmist said there, I will guide thee with mine eye. Let's know God to a point that we can quickly discern what God is saying to us, even through our spirit. But let's also be careful and ready to constantly check it with the wisdom that God has given us, discernment with the plain written word of God, and let that be our guide. And many times the peace of God is what confirms. When we have peace with God that we have done what God has given us wisdom to do, we have been sensitive to discern what his will is, and we walk it out by faith. May God bless you with that.